And I'm Christina. This is Legion of Dogs. Your free resource for multi-dog living. She had a bark off with Remo this morning. Oh yeah? They think that they're playing by barking at each other now. Oh, fun. It's kind of cute. I'm not like interrupting it. Like it happened. And Story did a play bell for Frankie this morning. Oh, that is a nice. big step for her because she was kind of ignoring her and pretending she wasn't here and then reluctantly allowing her to cuddle. Frankie does try to nurse on the Aussies sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's part of Story's reluctance a bit. Uh, but yeah, we're getting we're getting some positive body language from my holdout dogs. <laughs> Good. That's nice. All right, so um, you want to talk about Navy today? We can talk about Navy today. Navy in my household currently is my most challenging dog to have get along with other dogs. However, we're doing it really successfully. So she's kind of like a nice story to share. Yeah, Especially- she's she's doing great. She is. She's she's come a long, long way. So I'll give everyone some background on Navy. I got Navy at eight weeks old. I got her uh, less than a week after I had to put one of my dogs down. So I was a little emotionally unstable. Um, we had planned to get her and had not planned for him to pass away. So it was a challenging time. <laughs> and it was right before Christmas. Um, so it was also a busy time. Uh, And when I got her, she was my most fearful puppy ever out of all the dogs I've ever had. Um, I've had numerous dogs from that breeder too, and they've all been pretty solid dogs, really confident. She just wasn't. She was fearful. And I knew that I was going to have to do some extra socialization with her to get her confidence up. So we did way more socialization and way less formal training than I've ever done on a sport dog that I've purchased for sports. So um, yeah, we got her, started taking her places. We went to like grocery stores, sat in my car, just let her watch things. Um, I'd walk her places or I'd take her somewhere and carry her. She just, she came everywhere. We hiked right away um, just to get exposure to different environments. And I was really lucky because Story was a really good role model for her too. So I could Mm -hmm. take her places with Story and have her experience the world in a really like relaxed kind of happy way with her. So that was really helpful. And then I also actually went to a puppy class, which I normally do not do. I normally with my sport puppies, I would take different types of classes um, where we work on like a sports foundation or more advanced obedience stuff and we're getting environmental exposure but we're also progressing in the areas I want to from a training perspective but with her I knew I was going to have to go way slower so we went to puppy class and when we went to puppy class all I did was give her lots of food I didn't have any expectations from her and she struggled in that environment with the dog to dog stuff Mm -hmm. so she was pretty reactive well not vocally reactive her body language was very reactive if a puppy approached her so we would get full teeth display lots of backwards motion some growling um but not barking at that stage or anything like that so pretty intense behavior and I wasn't seeing that always in other contexts though 
So if I brought her to see like a friend's dog at home in our yard or at their house, that was okay. So it was like, it was very specific to, I think, feeling overwhelmed in a class environment. And she did not like other puppies her own age, with the exception that you got Jubilee. <laughs> not that long after that they were both pretty young yeah. and Navy really liked Jubilee like very excited about her so that was nice <laughs> the the feeling wasn't mutual <laughs> it wasn't first Jubilee changed later yeah they her... did play a yeah. bit um but we didn't keep it up either no I, th- I wish we had though because Jubilee doesn't have many friends she finds making friends challenging now and I think mm-hmm. I wish we had done that more I don't know if it would have stuck because what happened next really changed Navy. Um, I went on a road trip to Calgary and we were going to do a rally trial and a disc trial. And I work at a kennel there as well. So I had her at the kennel and she was meeting lots of new people, meeting some dogs. And I took her out to one of the fields to let her play. And she was playing chase with story. And she was running after Story kind of blindly and not focused. And she ran right into the only tree in that field (laughs) at full speed. And she dislocated her jaw and injured her shoulder. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, She was still a very young puppy then. How old was she? Six or seven months. Yeah. Yeah. And she was supposed to be competing in these events and she'd been doing really well. And then this happened and I, I'm lucky that I knew a canine chiropractor in Calgary and I was able to get her in the same day um, to see her and she was able to set her up nicely. And then we used a recovery supplement and subsequent um, chiro visits, but she was dead lame, obviously after that. So she didn't trial, but she came to the events and it was just very positive, like, Hey, hang out neat people Mm -hmm. but she was in pain she did okay and I then I got her home it was the same thing lots of pain still didn't really want to engage I play disc competitively and it's a bite sport (laughs) (laughs) and she didn't want to bite anything obviously so we let it go and then I just worked on other training stuff and exposure with her and over time reintroduced the bite sport stuff in the disc. But even to this day, her engagement with disc is lower than what I would have expected to see otherwise. Mm-hmm. And she, is, she was a little bit more nervy, like in general. So engagement was harder because she didn't want to tug or bite. She's always had pretty good food drive, though. So we were able to use that. Um, and it was just kind of slow building her up into doing sports again after that. I feel Mm -hmm. like it set us back at least a year. Yeah, she was very, we always said she's the puppy that never grows up. She was very immature. And she still kind of is. She still is. Um, But all while that was going on, by the time I think she was two, we got Remo. Yeah, it must have been at least that. And we got Remo and our our other small dogs had passed on at that point. So we had had some dog pack changes with some leaving and one coming in. And she wasn't super keen on him coming into the family. So she didn't really want to interact with him. If he came to sit near her, moved around near her, she would growl and move away, which was okay. We allow them to do that. Um, It was fine. And then we had... I think we were a year into them living together at that point. 
we had a really bad incident. Um, so Navy was in the kitchen and we were eating and Remo came over to the table and these are dogs that shared treats and food in our kitchen all the time without issue. There was mm-hmm. never any negative body language that way. And she went after him and she bit him. And um, he didn't have any significant injury, but it like a bite without a puncture or a scratch can still really hurt a dog. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure and I feel like he was fairly bruised. He screamed a lot, which I mean, he's a chihuahua. They do that too, but he was wet. So she made contact. And she's what, about 35 pounds and he's six somewhere in there. She's 42 and he ranges between six and seven ish. Yeah, so, so big difference in size. Difference. His head was definitely fully in her mouth. Aww. Like she did a full grab. So after that happened, um, we gave Navy a timeout. She went to her kennel and we let everyone calm down and Remo got some Medicam <laughs> and, and some lots close of cuddles. monitoring. And I didn't take him to the vet because he seemed to be recovering fine. And again, we were monitoring his skin and his area there and there wasn't anything that I thought was a problem. And we already had pain relief on board because that was his his meds anyway. <laughs> <laughs> for situations like this um not being attacked by a dog but if he had pain or anything like that he had medicam for that so he was older I got him as an older dog so after that happened we kind of thought it was just a one-off and we decided not to have them in the kitchen together for the next little while and we just kind of moved on and it was about 24 hours later we were sitting on the couch in the den and Navy was on the couch with us and Remo walked by the couch on the floor not near her going towards like the door to go outside and she jumped off the couch grabbed him and did a slight puncture on him so it was super strange because it didn't feel like the kitchen incident which we thought was food resource guarding even though we hadn't seen that before um but she was obviously still triggered from the earlier incident she wasn't feeling like herself and she was very aggravated by the fact that he was moving around the space and if I had been like a regular dog person I could see how it would be described as like oh it came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. because that's what my husband thought but it didn't come out of nowhere she wasn't okay that weekend And she was giving us signs that she wasn't okay that weekend. And she was projecting that onto Remo. Mm -hmm. Because when she is stressed, that's what she chose to deal with, like how to deal with her stress. And we've never had issues with her with any of the other dogs either. Like it was all specifically driven at him. And because they weren't very close, she found him aggravating at times. He's not the best at respecting body language he's kind of blind too so he can't (laughs) see it as well like it's just a little bit challenging on both ends because he's not cautious or aware or respectful and she clearly has a pretty low tolerance for him when she's stressed I think that's common in my house when my youngsters stress too it's the not the other border collies not the ones that have the same body language and same size as her it's the guy that speaks a totally different language in her books and he acts weird and if she's stressed sometimes she has no tolerance for that weirdness so I think that's pretty common totally how it presented so 
what I did was I immediately started working through um, a relaxation protocol with her. We also did a resource guarding protocol with her where we were feeding the dogs together, but two handlers. So we were putting food down. Everyone could go eat it. We asked her to move away and come get treats from the other handler. She was doing that really comfortably. We weren't seeing any bad body language or, well, not bad body language that indicates stress in the dog so by bad i just mean that anything that would show that she wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm. and then if we had seen that we would have had to change the protocol and taken a step back and then i also put her on the purina calming care probiotics i think you're the one that told me about them yeah i think i was trying it at the time for two of mine Yeah. yeah so i put her on those And I know that a lot of people have used them and not had success, but oh my goodness, huge change in the dog. (laughs) Yeah. Well, gut health, there's lots of studies on that. Gut health and anxiety are so closely tied. It's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah. Um, For a lot of dogs, that's a huge part, whether the gut health is causing the anxiety or the anxiety is causing the gut health. And then everything gets worse because you feel icky. But a lot of dogs have that. And I, I recommend that to a lot of my clients. Talk to your vet, see if this is something you should try or a different probiotic or a different gut health thing. I'm trying, especially for dogs that don't eat. I have like dogs that wake up at three in the morning and eat. I'm like, that's strange. You should talk to your vet, see if there's a yeah. gut health thing. But I think it's not the thing for everybody. It didn't help my dogs, but um, definitely one of the first things I try when we have an anxious dog. Yeah. And it worked for her. We saw a massive difference within six weeks. So then I had her on it for a few months and I decided to take her off to see. <laughs> um, and we saw a regression, not that she went after Remo, but I saw an increase of stress, lower tolerance for him in the house overall, um, more uncomfortable if he was in a space. So I put her back on and went back to a nice peaceful living actually (laughs) (laughs) and continued her on it for about a year and a half before I took her off of it again and uh, we did a diet change at that point so she switched on to raw and I started giving a different supplement that had probiotics in it um, as just part of their meal and she's done really well since then Good. So she went from this very, very aggravated low threshold for him to being pretty tolerant. We have to monitor bones with him and her because he doesn't respect space. So if she had a bone, he would approach her and try and take it. And that would cause a stress response in her. So I try to not have that ever happen. I think that's fair for any dog, though. I don't think that's But I don't have to do that with her with the other Aussies. So that's where it is different. And it's specific to that relationship in this case. Mm-hmm. Will they try to steal her bones? No. Ah. Yes. <laughs> None of the Aussies will steal from each other. They're really respectful of space and we call it their property. So if it's in their mouth, it's theirs. And they're yeah. really all good that way. So she doesn't have anxiety or stress having a bone with the other two Aussies mm-hmm. because they all communicate and handle that resource the same way. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to trust them. And I, I watched them. This is not done like out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. I trust my guys now. We've done it enough that I, I feel comfortable, you know, leaving the room and getting a glass of water or what have you. And as long as I'm kind of listening, but I feel all four of mine can do that now. 
Yeah, and we had to test run this when we were camping and things like there were circumstances that came up where we were going to try it and it's always gone very well. If I'm camping now and I'm giving them bones and Remo happens to be there, he will go in his sleepy pod and have his bone and they can still be out in the X pen. Mm -hmm. And then depending on the value of the bones, once they're done eating them, I may remove them from the environment or sometimes they can leave them because they've been thoroughly picked over and it's fine. <laughs> but that decision's made on what I see Navy doing with the bones. Mm -hmm. So if she's super interested in them, then I'm not going to reintroduce Remo into that space. Mm -hmm. But if she's now done with them and clearly disinterested, then I know I can introduce him back into the space with them present. So this is one of those things in case by case situations you might not want to do. You might want to just remove them preventatively. I've had dogs that will say they're not going to guard and then go back and guard it 10 minutes later. Um, <laughs> but she's pretty reliable that way. And this is where past history of a dog can predict future behavior. Yeah. So I feel like because it's never been an issue, we can continue that way. But again, she's supervised. Like I don't have to even look at my other dogs after these situations or monitor their body language. I have to monitor her to make sure that I'm not setting them up to have an altercation. Mm -hmm. And you're a very experienced dog person. So I think that's great. And if someone was unsure, if a listener was saying, oh, I don't know how to tell, if you're not sure pick up the bones right exactly um, if you aren't sure you're not confident in that like don't don't even go there and that's fair in a multi-dog home that we might not want to let the dogs share a space with bones it really depends on your knowledge the dog's history who the dogs are there's so many factors that there's not a one-size-fits-all for sure. And if there's other things that are going to cause her stress happening so Navy's my only dog who has a storm phobia for example so if we're having storms, I'm not going to then do bone time mm -hmm. because then I'm trigger stacking. Yeah. And if we have company over, okay, so I have people in the house, their arousal's up. I'm not going to do bone time out with everybody. They're going to all go into crates to do it, that kind of thing. So you have to be aware of the environment you're working within with the dogs. And if there's things that really increase arousal or increase fear or anxiety, then you don't want to attempt things that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. and that's pretty important and I've gotten really good with her about medicating her immediately when there is going to be something like a storm or a firework happening so that she's not sitting in that stress feeling and I don't get fallout from that later yeah and it can take a while for a dog to recover from something like that if a dog has a big scare whether it's a storm or an incident or what have you, it might not just be three hours later and you can go back to normal. The dog might need a few days or longer, even depending on how severe the scare was to recover before you can go back to what your normal routine was. Yeah. And I find with Navy, it's about 24 hours mm -hmm. kind of in between events. So even having people over for like a games night, I know that for the next 24 hours, she's going to be a little bit more guardy with the door and the yard because she's anticipating people coming in <laughs> even though she likes that like she likes people coming over she likes to meet people she's quite happy to be loose with company um in the home but it's like that anticipation that an event is now going to happen mm -hmm. it just keeps them a little bit more heightened more arousal and when you've had arousal and then you add stress you're going to tip over into a reaction much sooner than you would if the arousal was low yeah completely so even though navy has this 
like long history of all this stuff. She's a really chill dog. It's easy to take her out in public. She's competed at some pretty big venues and events mm-hmm. with like lots of dogs and noises and stuff happening. When we went to nationals, we had storms throughout the whole week we were there. And she only had one time when she really struggled with competing in that case. And it's because she was still drugged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fair. Poor lady. Yeah, so she was very groggy. But like overall, she can go anywhere I need her to go. She can work anywhere I need her to work. She is the one I'm most cautious with, though, with bringing dogs into the home. And even when we had stories litter, like when we first went to do the puppy introduction, I did muzzle her initially. <laughs> Just in case, because if she did choose to bite, it can do a lot of damage on a small dog. Yeah. So even though these these little altercations she had with Remo, she didn't really hurt him. She hurt him enough that I would always use caution now. Yeah. And we don't see that behavior from her with larger dogs. It was only at him. And she kind of had the same reaction, actually, when we added kittens. She wasn't super keen on them. She was uncomfortable. She air snapped, but she never made contact. So it's again, we had to go really slow. I think I spent almost three weeks introducing them mm-hmm. into the fold before she was comfortable and it was okay. And that's just the way things are with her. Because I know that she's sensitive, we do go slower most of the time. Now, she has taken to Frankie Pickles so well. Good. It's just crazy. I was anticipating having a harder time, but she's actually been my second easiest dog out of the four. for introducing the puppy to we brought the puppy home we let her meet them and she was like okay you're here now we're good and she lets her cuddle with her she will play with her she's aware of where her body is if she's playing with fable and the puppy gets close she doesn't want to squish her fable Uh my younger one is not as good with that (laughs) (laughs) so we have to be careful there but Like overall, she's gotten to a point now where I can add a dog into the pack and not really have a stress response from it at all. That's wonderful. Yeah. You've done a great job with her. It's a big success story that took a lot of work and a lot of exposure to new environments and situations when she was young, because I feel like if I hadn't have done that, she would have been a very difficult dog. And Mm -hmm. she's just, she's not, she's my easiest Aussie as far as living with her. Mm-hmm. overall goes she has a great off switch she can turn on when she feels like it sometimes she gets car sick on the road a little bit she's not as high drive as the other ones though so she doesn't perform at the same level but no. she'll work really hard and she is a great rally dog and really she's really likes rally really really cute when she does her frisbee freestyle <laughs> with her little <laughs> rainbow cloud costumes the first time so put it on her, she's can... really nice she, she <laughs> so turned... maybe does freestyle disc but we do it kind of as a joke because she doesn't like to do her tricks without food and she's now doing them for discs which she doesn't love and she also doesn't like me to touch her when we're doing like disc stuff so I can't dog catch her and I can't like have her do any vaults because she doesn't like the contact so she's kind <laughs> of a snowflake but we make it fun and cute and she that's bounces around in her little outfit she looks super cute (laughs) yeah she has a good time and that's one of the things like we get a dog for sports and we put all this pressure on them to be the best at it and it's not who the dog is you're not going to set yourself up to have a very good relationship Mm -hmm. and I don't need her to be the best we just want to go and have fun 
Mm -hmm. I have other dogs that have higher drive that want to be the best and they want to be the best, like it's in them. Yeah. And that's fine. So we work at different levels. I keep her training sessions way shorter too than the other dogs. She just doesn't have it in her to do long periods of time of training. Her sessions are usually five minutes or less mm -hmm. for anything I'm training with food or with disc or anything I'm working on. They're really short. She does better that way. And figuring that out took a little time because I've had so many Aussies. I kind of expect them to all be the same, but they're not. And she's very different. So mm -hmm. it was just figuring out how to find success with her. And once they did, it's been really easy. So I'd encourage anyone too that has like a low drive anxiety type dog to just kind of play with what you're doing and don't be afraid to do shorter stuff, to take long breaks, to use supplements like probiotics to help mm -hmm. them out and just be as positive as you can be because you can get a really nice working dog in the end. It's just might not be the same as your other ones. Mm -hmm. And sometimes too, though, some dogs will choose not to want that environment and that's okay too. Navy, sure. Navy is comfortable. She's happy at trials. My little guy, my little Eskimo, I adopted him with the hopes that he'd be a sport dog, but he doesn't want to do it. So he's my running buddy. He hikes, he hunts rabbits and rats and we, we do our runs together, but he doesn't have to go and compete because that's not who he is. Um, so, you know, not all dogs will get there, but get to kind of read the dog and see what they want and what makes them happy and comfortable. Yeah, sure. And like Navy's very healthy now. So despite her earlier injury, she doesn't have chronic pain or anything like that going on. I feel like yeah. if she did, that would have held her back. Mm -hmm. And we've tried different sports and we just kind of let her see what she likes and how she wants to do them. Like she loves agility practice, loves, loves, loves it. And I think if I had more of an interest there still, I could probably run her in agility pretty competitively because she is inclined that way. But we don't have time to do all the things all the time. <laughs> so we just we stick with agility practice. And then she gets to get her rally on, dabbled in barn hunt, which she was okay at. Like she's not going in there and winning the whole thing. That's for sure. <laughs> it's fun to try different stuff with the dogs. We tried sent classes actually, and she really liked that. So I think that will be my next endeavor with her. And again, like it doesn't have to lead to competition, but I'm allowing her to work her brain and gain confidence in herself. Mm -hmm. And that leads to more harmony in the house. Yeah. Because she is an outlet. Yeah. They all need, even if they're staying at home, they need an outlet. Riker trains and knows work. He just doesn't compete. He competed a little bit. Um, he has his started title and he has two legs in his advanced um, but he can't, he doesn't want to, or he doesn't feel comfortable indoors in homes or buildings or facilities or anything that he doesn't know really well. So he doesn't want to do interior. So we just stop. But he, when I train the border collies and knows where he still trains, I'm just not going to take him to those venues and expect him to be able to put the skills together in a new environment. It's just not who he is. Exactly. So he's getting all the enrichment. He's just not going to the trial and having to deal with the trial stress. Mm -hmm. And when I did really trial what them. we want to do with the dogs when we do sports, <laughs> like we do yeah. it for them, we should be doing it for yeah. them. The competition part for for a lot of dogs isn't a lot of fun. Um, some dogs like are the ones that really go out and have fun. There, you can see it. 
But if you're struggling with your dog and it doesn't look like they're enjoying the competition, really want to think about why you're competing. Is it for you or for the dog or for the ribbon or the pressure? But not a lot. A lot of dogs just aren't going to want to compete. They just want to do the training and the fun stuff with their person. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes within your group, even if they're all related, you're going to have that variance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the story of Navy. She's a success a success story that I put a lot of time and energy into. <laughs> <laughs> and she's lovely. She's absolutely lovely to watch. She loves playing. She's happy dog. Um, she's yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> and she's very photogenic, which is nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that sounds like a good spot to wrap it up. <laughs> All right, guys. I hope I gave you some hope with your challenging dogs. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts.